No, there it is. I knew it was coming <laughs> sooner or later. So, brothers and sisters, much like I uh, kind of stated or stumbled through, depending on how you look at it, in announcements, because uh, Chris is way better at announcements than I am. But ultimately, I wanted to bring up certainly our challenges with resolutions. Even Kim brought it up. We have tons of challenges with resolutions. The unfortunate thing is that some people make God a resolution to some degree. And I don't ever want to project that or portray that or anything like that, but I certainly want to help us on our journeys, whatever that looks like. And there are there is a very tremendous book that talks about the multitude of spiritual disciplines to help grow and to foster that relationship. But the bitter irony is that discipline has a negative connotation to it. But what it really means is that it takes effort. It takes time. It takes practice. It takes a commitment to make a discipline, to make it be a habit, as opposed to something that's just willy-nilly. And so there are a lot of spiritual disciplines, but we all know about prayer, and we all know about scripture reading. Those are probably the two biggest and easiest uh, you know, spiritual disciplines that we have to, to work within. And so I want to remind you, too, that as we approach this sermon, certainly this isn't some type of law that we're all to follow. But I want you to know, too, that there are prayer Bibles up there. There is a tremendous book called Praying the Bible to help you stay in the word and to pray to the Father. But the moral of today's sermon is about how God really wants to bless us and what he's done for his people and how he says and encourages us in a method and a plan of prayer. And so without further ado, let's pray, pun intended, right? <laughs> and let's get back to the word and the Lord's truth. So. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, certainly what a tremendous joy it is to be able to pray. And what a great song that is that we would have an hour of prayer. I remember Martin Luther used to say, uh, depending on the day is depending on or what the activities of the day was, was ultimately how long he would pray. And so, Lord Jesus, even the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. And we praise you for the Holy Spirit that allows us even to pray without ceasing. And so, as we approach your word, certainly may it fill us with the righteousness and peace and joy as is your kingdom. We may be reminded of the truth that prayer, uh, while words certainly do matter, the, the symbolism, first and foremost, is that we are putting you in your right place over our lives, Lord, and that we are humbly entreating and asking you for help. We love you. And it's in your name that we pray until we no longer need to pray when we are with you in heaven. We love you. Amen. All right. So I didn't look in the, the blue books. Did either of you guys? What number six? 127? Okay. Thank you. I always forget that. Thanks, Frank. So page 127, we have Numbers, chapter six. It's a very short uh, little prayer. It's a priestly blessing if you will, and I just want to give you a little bit of background while you're still turning to page 127. The book of Numbers is a really interesting book. 
it deals with a lot of numbers. Go figure. Yeah. I mean, it starts off with the counting of the Israelites and the tribes and the members, and then those tribes get like, kind of separated and changed, and then that's a different number. And then they all provide different offerings, and all their offerings have a vast <laughs> multitude of numbers. And, and, and it just keeps going on, and you're, you just kind of wonder, wow, what on earth is going on here? Why, why is this so important? But all Scripture is breathed out by God, and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that we may be complete and equipped for every good work. But Israel travels through the wilderness, first and foremost, in this. And I would say that a major thrust of the book of Numbers is to be holy as I am holy. As God says in, Le in Leviticus chapter 19, even before you know, getting to the book of Numbers. And one of the morals of the story in Numbers is that God will remain faithful despite Israel's faithlessness at times. Even more so, Israel's rebellion at times. And the stories within the book of Numbers, while we may or may not realize it, are reiterated throughout the prophets, as well as there are some of the stories reiterated by the New Testament authors as well. So, as the book of Numbers certainly deals with God's holiness, and certainly it deals with a lot of different numbers, what no one will see, unless you're a theologian and a scholar that has dedicated your life to this, or you know what commentaries to read, <laughs> right? Is that this little prayer, while you don't see it, it's from God. God said to Moses, tell Aaron, do this. But when you look at verse 24, 25, and 26, in Hebrew, verse 24 is three words, verse 25 is five words, and verse 26 is seven words. To make it even more interesting, verse 24 is 15 Hebrew characters, verse 25 is 20 Hebrew characters, and verse 26 is 25 Hebrew characters. It is that organized and that structured just the same as when you see God's law and you wonder, well, how on earth can I possibly keep that? And down to the shekel and down to the, you know, the minute inertias of the different measurements that they had. God's prayer for his people is that precise and that measured as well. Each of the lines also have two parts. They balance one another. The very first part contains a request to the Lord to perform some type of action. And here, in this Numbers passage, the requests by the priests are for the Lord to act on their behalf. It could be translated, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The second part of each line specified the desired results of the action requested in the first part of the line. Very simple, right? Cause and effect, in a sense. Like, Lord, would you please do this to help us with this? God tells us in this 
what to pray and how he wants to bless us as part of our intimate relationship. I want you to see in this, as well as as you're looking at the back of your bulletins in Matthew chapter 6, we're not going there yet, to pray corporately, which means together, pray together regularly for others. I want you to see too, and I'll explain as we explain what these words are and what they mean, that this is all about physical, emotional, but mostly spiritual needs. Something that we don't understand, something that we're born dead to, and something that God has to instill within us. And then, I want you to see too, it's not individual. It's corporate. It's together. You're going to see the words you, but understand that it's coming from the priests, someone else, for you. It comes from God, for you in a sense. But it's about praying for others. And even in the Matthew 6 passage, it's give us. It's not give me my daily bread. It's give us our daily bread. There is power in prayer, by far, and, and even more so when we pray together. Amen for that. Now, I want to tell you something else about this, especially as we look at this, because it bridges Old Testament and New Testament together. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Always has been, always will be. That's never going to change. However, the covenants over the years have changed. The roles of the people over the years have changed. This, from Numbers, is a priestly blessing. God had his priests, had Aaron and his two sons, the two sons that didn't die, uh, become priests over Israel. And as he did, God would use them to get his blessings through to the other people. Fast forward to the future. Christ has come. Christ is on the scene. We know that Jesus is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. We know that he is God's last prophet. We know that he is the great high priest as well. And that's where this gets really interesting. Because we, being in Christ, are priests. If you were to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, I remind you that you are a holy nation and a royal priesthood, a people for his own possession. And you have that calling. You have the opportunity to bless others. I think most of the time, our issues are we're blessing ourselves. We want the blessings ourselves. It's sin. It's human nature. It's our desire to care first and foremost only about ourselves. But I remind you too that it is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives within me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So this blessing is a priestly blessing. You, brothers and sisters, according to the knowledge of the truth in Christ, are priests by Christ. This blessing is for your friends. It is for your family. It is for those that you work with. It is for those that need God. Now, who needs God? Everybody. This blessing should be for everybody, especially for our enemies, those that we don't get along with very well. Because... 
What would happen if God changed their life? What would happen if God took hold of them, shook them around a little bit like you want to do all the time, and wake them up? Wouldn't that be amazing? Then you would have another brother or sister in Christ. And we could rejoice with the Lord because his mighty hand is indeed a mighty hand. So, with that being said, let's get into the passage. Numbers, chapter 6, verse 22 to 27, reads as such. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Verse 22 and 23 lay it out. I feel like I kind of laid that out for you already a little bit in the background too. But the Lord, L-O-R-D, all capitalized. And as we've been going through the Psalms, I've really been hitting on this for us. Yahweh. It's the proper name of God. He who will be, is, and has been. And it speaks of his eternal nature as well as it speaks of his self-sufficiency. Because he who will be, is, and has been, has always been, will always be, and currently is, regardless of you, or me, or anyone else. So, God said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you're going to bless the people of Israel. And then when you look at the last verse, so they shall put my name, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. And very simply, this goes back to what God has said all along. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And so while God remains faithful, the book of Numbers certainly shows that God's not going to control people. He's going to let them do as they do. But they must face their own consequences. And you think about the, the nations and the Israelites, how the first generation wasn't allowed into the promised land because they grumbled about it. And they were arguing with God. As if God hadn't literally been carrying them along the entire way, brought them out of slavery, gave them freedom, fed them, continued to love and support them despite their rebelliousness, and yet here we are. They still did it. But God marks his people. This is where it comes to truth that the sheep hear my voice and know my name, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. You're going to stumble. Maybe you're going to fall. Maybe you're going to rebel. But those who are gods will forever be gods. And so, the Lord Yahweh wants to bless. That's what we invoke. We want his blessings. And when we say the word bless, what it means is good. We want what's good. 
The challenge with us is that our definition of good is probably different than the person next to you's definition of good, and certainly different than God's definition of good. And so, bless, because I've really wanted to get a lot of notes on this, Strong's Hebrew 1288, give that which is good. It's to give that which is good. Yahweh give that which is good and keep you. And the keep is rather interesting too. That Strong's Hebrew 8104 means as it's written to keep, to guard, to observe, and to keep watch over. I don't know about you, but if you've had children and if you've had teenagers, as much as you as an individual parent maybe want to watch over your children, you don't get that opportunity to watch over your children. But God, being Father, you know, some of us want Him to watch over us, take care of us. Others are like, I got this, Dad. Let me be. I got this as a typical teenager, as a typical rebellious child that we have. And so we read this, Yahweh bless you and keep you. Yahweh, please give to us that which is good and keep watch over us. May Yahweh do what he deems is good as he keeps watch and guards us until we return to him. That's how I paraphrased it. I'm not changing the word, but I want to help our understanding a little bit, especially in the prayers, especially as we want to figure out what God is doing in our lives and what he wants to do in our lives. And he wants to keep watch over us, wants to watch, wants to guard us. Not necessarily always from a physical perspective, but understand, you can walk away. God shows that in the book of Numbers through Israel's rebellion that, hey, yeah, just understand there's going to be consequences for your actions. Some people seem to think that there shouldn't be any consequences for their actions, but Scripture continually proves us differently. So, verse 25. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. We still have Yahweh here, as in the Lord. And then his face, Strong's Hebrew 6440. It means in front of, before, but more so in the presence of or in the face of, as it is. And then shine, as what was excellently uh, read in Jesus, I am resting, resting with his brightness and, and shining in his face. Shine is strong. Hebrews number 215 means to be or become light, to shine or be made bright. One more word, of course, we need to know in this. It's to be gracious. Be gracious. Strong's Hebrew number 2603, to show favor or pity. So, as I've rewritten this to try to make this a little easier to understand based on the definitions, may Yahweh make his presence light our path and keep us in his favor. It goes back to kind of 
New Testament, God called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's kind of where everybody's at, walking in darkness or walking in light. May God shine so brightly for those individuals that they walk in his favor and in his blessings. And so, may Yahweh make his presence light our path, and may he keep us in his favor. Verse 26, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Countenance. This is probably the most fascinating thing because it throws people for a loop. Are you ready? Let's see if you paid attention. Strong's Hebrew 6440. Did I say that one already? I did. It means face. It means in front of, before, in the presence of, and in the face of. The word countenance in verse 26 and the word face in verse 25 are the same Hebrew word. No changes. So, again, may God lift up his face to keep watch over his people. May he pay attention to them. May he be their God. And may we be his people. But give. Give you peace. Give. Strong's Hebrew 7760. To put place, set, appoint, or make. Make. Remember that last word, make. Because peace is shalom. Strong's Hebrew 7965. And shalom, while certainly it means peace, it means completeness, soundness, welfare, well-being. May Yahweh keep us in front of him, in his presence, and make us complete in him. And that's the prayer. That's what God wants for his people. I don't know that his people want that. Isn't that the challenge that all of us face? Especially as we turn a calendar year and maybe have great high hopes and expectations of what God may or may not do for us. But at its core, these are what God wants to do for us. And I'll read it again. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So may Yahweh do what he deems is good as he keeps watch and guards us until we return to him. May Yahweh make his presence light up our path and may he keep us in his favor. And may Yahweh keep us in front of him in his presence and make us complete in him because we're all missing something and we've talked about it. And these holes that we try to fill with cultural things and temporary things can only be filled by the Creator and the knowledge of the truth in Him and who you are in Christ as God made you to be. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. I will be their God and they will be my people. It's God's desire. It's God's desire from the Old Testament. And now let's fast forward to the New Testament. Go to the Lord's Prayer. People can recite this prayer 
eyes closed. They know it, they've said it, they really probably don't know what it means, but they can memorize it and recite it. I hope they know what they mean. I hope we know what it means too. As disciples and followers of the Lord Jesus, want to follow the Lord Jesus' example in whatever it is that my hand finds to do or where my feet go. Take my life and let it be, very simply, consecrate it all for thee. So you have numbers in the Old Testament, and now you've got the Lord's Prayer in the New Testament. That numbers passage is considered the Lord's Prayer, but in the Old Testament, and well, it is rightly defined as the Lord's Prayer in the New Testament. While the words are a little different, much like how I paraphrased and added to the numbers passage a little bit, um, and just making it maybe a little easier to understand, the words are the same. The meaning is the same. God has the same desire. Go figure, right? It's as if he's like the same yesterday, today, and forever. Like, go figure that he would have the same desire in the Old Testament and, you know, long before Christ came on the scene to the same as Christ is on the scene. It says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's the first two verses of that, and it is all glory to God. Every single ounce of that is all glory to God, which is why I can say with confidence the greatest part about prayer is the humbling of self and the glorifying of God. If you look at number six, the Lord, the Lord, and we entreat him. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord, may the Lord, may the Lord. The things we need in life come from God. Always. So may the Lord, may the Lord, may the Lord. And come Lord Jesus. Now. Verse 11, verse 12, verse 13, the heart of the Lord's Prayer, if you will. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. If you parallel that with verse 26 of Numbers, peace, completeness, and well-being. We say specifically, give us this day our daily bread, and as if it deals with sustenance, and it deals with something that is physical, right? What happens when you don't eat? It's not healthy. It's not good for your well-being, is it? Consider the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Can you trust God with your physical needs? Now, I'm not saying live lawlessly and don't do anything and sit on the couch all day. Like, you know you have to work. You know you have responsibilities. You know you have a meaning. You know you have a purpose in life. All of these things. So you're not going to just sit there. But has God not provided the needs that we all have? Of course. Of course he has. And even then, consider, yes, you have God, you have your family, then you have your church family, and then it's much bigger outside these walls too. And so, give 
Remember the give? Give us. That's actually from verse 25, but still that same word, give. And then peace, completeness, and well-being. Overall care. And so that's kind of the physical aspect of it. Verse 12 in Matthew aligns with verse 25 in Numbers. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Debtors. Be gracious. Be gracious. Show unmerited favor. Isn't that what forgiveness is? When someone's wronged you, you have two options. You have the option to forgive, or you have the option to hold a grudge. For as long as you need to hold that grudge to make yourself feel bad. Be gracious, as God is gracious. He's forgiven us. And that's exactly what grace is, that unmerited favor of forgiveness. Or we call it mercy, not receiving the punishment that we so rightly deserve. Amen to the Lord for his forgiveness. Praise him for his grace is second to none. It's not found here on earth in the same capacity, just like his love is not found here on earth in the same capacity, especially without him. And then verse 13 of Matthew lines up exactly with verse 24. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. Deliver us. Keep us. Guard us. Watch over us. We need your help. We need your help, Lord Jesus. So, deliver us. And isn't that what God has done? And isn't that what he continues to do, especially as we look at this from a spiritual standpoint? Deliverance, the same as redemption, being bought back from the slavery of sin that we were under, to be restored and renewed, to be who God created us to be, to live as God wants us to live. And so these are from the Lord. Make no mistake. We can say all scriptures breathed out by God, but even more so, the Lord said to Moses, and Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. Now, if you want to see these two prayers in action, I highly encourage you to read John chapter 17. That's where Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. And where Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane wasn't it, it, it's got some of him like, please take this cup from me. But it's all about his people. And it's all about keeping guard and keeping watch, keeping the physical aspects, keeping those emotional aspects that we can be forgiven, that we can be restored. The spiritual aspects of renewal, the eternal nature versus the finite nature that we have. God's design versus our own individual design. The Lord is a Lord of blessings, and it's through prayer, and especially corporate prayer for one another, that seemingly it takes a much stronger effect as we pray for a nation, as we pray for a church, as we pray for a ministry, as we pray for people that we care about, as we pray for situations. And so many times we're like, Lord, change this situation. But the prayer at the heart and the core of the matter 
especially in regards to sanctification, is, Lord, change me to address this situation. Change me. Work within me. It is about you. He will be your God. You will be his people. That's the design. That's the commitment. That's the discipline, if you will. And praise be to God that he indeed is gracious to restore us after we walk away, much like the Israelites, much like every other human character we come across in the Bible. Every other human character that exists within this building, in this city, in this state, in this country, and in this world. No one is excused. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and need God. And he marks his people in the Old Testament through the priests, and he marks his people in the New Testament through his son, the great high priest. Regardless, he marks us. He makes us his own. He restores us, reconciles us, and eventually will glorify us. And none of us deserve any of that, which is why we can consistently and constantly praise the Lord wherever we find ourselves, because we are his. We know who we are. We know why we're here. We know what's wrong with the world. We know what's being done to fix it. And we know how Christ has done it perfectly and that God has worked on faith since day one. And I can trust Jesus. So brothers and sisters, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, all caps, Yahweh, our creator, our sustainer, our nurturer, our giver, and especially our life giver. Lord Jesus, Yahweh, may you bless us. May you give to us that which is good. Certainly we have our own expectations and our own ideals of what good is, but Lord Jesus, may we continue to be tuned to your will on what good is in our lives. Lead us not into temptation in regards to this, but keep us and deliver us and guard us and watch over us as only you can. Lord Jesus, Yahweh, my Father in heaven, until we return to you, make sure that we stay in your graces. And Lord, continue to shine. Continue to be our light. Continue to be made bright in our lives. That we aren't confused by what is dark and what is light. That we may truly see what is light. And that there be no more need to walk in the darkness. For we know the consequences that those bring. So be in front of us. Be before us. May we be in the presence of you and may we be seen in the face of you, Lord Jesus. And may you continue to be gracious to us. May you continue to show favor to us. Your unmerited favor in our lives. Something that we didn't earn and we don't deserve. May you continue to have pity 
on our helpless estate as your people. Oh, Lord Jesus, we think we're so strong. We think we can do so many things. But then something unseen, like a bacteria or a virus, can take us down and make us nothing. Oh, have pity on us. Be gracious to us. Show us your love. Make us live in the presence and the light of your path. And Lord Yahweh, Lord Jesus, keep us in front of you. Keep us in your presence. Make us complete in you. Make us complete in you. We all have longings. We all have desires. We're all individually unique and individually made, Lord Jesus. But you complete us. You fill those holes in our lives that we try to fill with a multitude of false idols. May you put your name upon our hearts and may you give to us that which is good. May you, Yahweh, be our God and may we be your people. So Lord, in its simplicity and in its Hebrew nature, Yahweh, bless us and keep us. Yahweh, make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. And Yahweh, lift up your face, lift up your countenance, and give us the peace that we so righteously long for. As is said in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers. Give us peace. All of these come from you, as well as so many more things in our lives. But let us rightly see our place in history. Let us see you rightly with our lives in your place in history. So, as it's said as well, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We love you and cannot thank you enough, but may you take our lives and let them be consecrated all for thee. Amen.